0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs. And with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. I'm glad to be here with you today. Um... We, right before we start hit record, we were talking about the kind of the state of the world right now and how stressful a place it seems to be with all of the uh, political things going on, social injustice. Um, and, and it's really interesting because I also have um, several entrepreneurial clients who are doing really well in their business, but they are in a way they're doing so well that they are getting in touch with a ton of stress and anxiety and they have a sort of a really rigid look at that. Like, like a little, they're kind of holding it rigidly, unknowingly, innocently. And I find myself doing that at times too, with what's going on politically um, you know, and with the pandemic and everything else is I can get kind of caught up in this black and white thinking about, how it is. And I can go into some fear. And so it's one of the things I'm doing with my clients is is helping them um, get really curious about this stress and anxiety that's arising rather than seeing the stress and anxiety as the enemy and something that they have to get out of their lives at all costs. Um, helping them come to a place of, and I'm talking about young guys, I'm talking about 27, 28, 29, 35, you know, who are just just kicking it out there and, and then they're getting into this anxiety and it's frightening them. And so in a way I'm trying to help them befriend that to see what message or treasure might be there in that place for them. And, um, and then I realized as I'm getting stressed about the state of the world (laughs) that I need to take my own advice. And, and one of the things that you've said repeatedly that, that has been so helpful to me in these last few weeks is you know, let's get curious, let's get open. And it's kind of become a mantra for me lately. Um, when I go into that place of black and white thinking, of rigidity, um, of fear, uh, of stress, that I, 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 when I can recognize it, when I can wake up to being in that state, I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking myself then, what if I brought some curiosity and openness to this? what if i looked beneath all of that to see what wants to emerge what wants to emerge in my life personally and collectively because there is so much going on in the world there's it feels to me juliet and you tell me how it is for you that something collectively is also trying to emerge
1: yeah, well, oh, there's so much in there, Carla. I mean, I love your your recognition of that, um, you know, stress and anxiety that so many of us feel. And and something I really love is that you really speak to the kind of hidden stress and anxiety because I know that really, really well. You know, sort of presenting as confident and um, capable on the outside, whilst internally running all kinds of <laughs> sort of um, unhelpful you know, stuff, but also putting quite a lot of energy into managing the mask. And as we said, this podcast is about dropping, dropping that. Um, and the rigid, you know, the rigid um, thinking, this is such a sort of juicy subject to me because, you know, we're, we're incredibly inventive and creative as human beings, I believe. And, um, you know, one of my favourite clients always used to say, I'm just so creative when I'm being down on myself you know, in the ways in which I can criticise and berate myself. (laughs) And it's sort of lovely because she, you know, she's seeing and understanding the power of the mind, um, which when we're busy up against our own stress, you know, we're very close to it. So... We may not, it may not occur to us to wonder at its inventiveness mm-hmm. and creativity, but it is quite comical when you get a bit of distance and you look at the ways in which you may be sabotaged, one can sabotage oneself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the, the, yeah, the curiosity uh, thing is lovely. I was um, remembering I made an audio once called Curiosity Killed the Cat, um, <laughs> an exploration of curiosity. curiosity. Um and uh in you know can obviously uh do much do better things than kill the cat, but it is a subject that that I really enjoy because, as you said, it's the sort of a polar opposite of getting uh entrenched, mm-hmm. and you know most of us know that anything that we get curious about immediately becomes more appealing to us mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I was actually walking on the estuary the other day and um, this has a very uh, big fall of the tide here. And so it's ever-changing. We had storms a couple of weeks ago. So you go down and the landscape, it's as if, you know, a huge, um, you imagine like huge action figures in a, in a video game have come down and thrown the rocks around and rearranged it all. Uh, but a couple of days ago when I walked down, I often walk barefoot on the, on the sand And you get patches of sort of sticky mud every now and again. It's black and it clings to your feet. But I can more or less see where it is and avoid it. But this one day I went down and it was just the whole shore was covered in it. And, you know, I really wanted to do my walk. And my initial reaction was a bit kind of, ew, you know, (laughs) black sticky mud. And then I just kind of remembered, you know, what it would be like if I was a child in that black mm. sticky mud. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and it changed my perception of it. It's not sad I didn't wash it all off when I found a, when I found a pool, but in that moment of just starting to wonder, well, wow, you know, how did it get here, and and how amazing that the a huge area has been transformed just by the water, and the, and the tides and the storm. And it, it just went from, you know, you can just see that narrow view of this is horrible, sticky, black, nasty stuff, I don't like it, to
0: mm-hmm.
1: an exploration, a curiosity about what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if that's a helpful example, but I think there's the potential to do that any time. Um, and you see it, I think I can, see the, I can see an area where I don't do it, which is where tasks that I consider to be boring or repetitive Mm-hmm. you know I'll I'll drag myself to do them I'll do it unwillingly with resentment yes <laughs> but I wonder what's available there if we got curious you know about clearing the dishes
0: yeah you know um we are soul sisters <laughs> <laughs> Because the mundane has been so hard for me to embrace in my life. And it's really held me back, the resentment I have about the mundane, the avoidance I have of the mundane. And I remember when I was first um, kind of exposed to some of the ideas that you and I talk about here and how powerful our thoughts are, our thinking is, our stories are, and how we experience the world through our perceptions or our stories or our narrative rather than through the actual um, situation at hand. And um, I've told the story, to, I tell the story to my clients all the time when I'm, when I'm trying to uh, help them wake up to their own stories, their own narrative, and how they, um, they're really living into the feeling of that. They're really experiencing that, their stories, their narrative, rather than what's actually happening. Happening. So I remember uh, being, you know, learning about the, just that, that I just said, and it's sort of not really making sense, not kind of buying into it. And one day I was standing at the sink washing dishes. And I avoid it at all costs. I avoid washing the dishes. I procrastinate washing the dishes. I hate wa- washing the dishes. Um, I hope someone else will wash the dishes. And then, of course, I do the dishes if I have to because, you know, you, you, you need to do the dishes. But I always do it with a bit of resentment, you know, a bit of just... Loathing, and this particular day i um, this was a few years ago, I was standing at the sink, and I remembered this idea that i wasn 't really experiencing washing the dishes, I was experiencing my thoughts about it, I was experiencing my story about it, and I realized that I had told myself for so many decades that I hated doing the dishes that I had literally burned a neural pathway deep into my brain, and now it had become a habit of thought, and that it wasn't true. It was something I thought once, and then I thought it again and again and again and again until I believed it, and then it became this habit of thought. And in that moment, it was like this epiphany. All of a sudden, I just woke up to it. And, and how that happens, I can't tell you. We can't make an insight happen. We can, I believe we can create the conditions where an insight is easier to come. But but in this moment, I just sort of woke up that this was just a story I told myself. And all of a sudden, literally, Juliet, fell away. And all of a sudden, I was like, Oh gosh, I'm really enjoying the warmth of this water on my hands. I'm really enjoying watching the counter get clear. I'm really enjoying looking out the window into my lush, beautiful backyard. And I I have to say that in that moment, I I started to cry because I realized that if this thought about hating to do the dishes is not true, then all these other thoughts that I hold as a habit of thought are not true either. The judgment, the self-loathing, the shame, the, you know, all of that. And I just, I just, I literally cried for a while. So I was telling this to a client one day and he was like, oh wow, cool. And he said, well, so now do you love washing the dishes? And I said, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> so then sometime later I was washing the dishes and I remembered his question. And what I recognized in the moment was I just didn't have I just didn't even have a story about it. It was just pretty neutral. I was just washing the dishes. They needed to be washed and I was washing them. There was no more angst. There was no more concern. There was no more avoidance. And to this day, I just wash the dishes now. I just wash them. It's just no big deal. I mean, it never was a big deal aside from my story. And so I tell this to my clients. It's that this is, you know, we can look at our habits of thought and we can have an insight and we can drop those stories and move through life with a whole lot more ease and flow.
1: Oh Carla, I I just love that story. And and there were again, there's just so much in it because you know when like you said before you had that insight, you'd you'd heard this idea that we're seeing life through our stories, mm-hmm. our perceptions. And You know, once you get an experience like that, then what can open up for you is even if in the moment, whatever you're up against, you looks true and real and compelling, just knowing that the mind can change Mm -hmm. is so powerful and to me it it, it's so hopeful because When you don't know that, you know, you're just at the effect of whatever strong feelings are coming through, whatever strong opinions are coming through. And, I I mean, I can remember, you know, looking back that, you know, if if I'd known that, you know, what I felt at any given moment was just what I felt, it wasn't necessarily really telling me anything particularly useful or true about myself or the world. You know, if I'd known that, I might not have held so tightly to things. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of connected to curiosity because when you're holding very tightly to your position, your feelings, your state of mind, your opinions, it doesn't really allow much fresh to come in mm-hmm. because it's like the, um, you know, it's like the sort of uh, the channel where the fle- the fresh thinking might come through is is very constricted. That's how I think of it, mm-hmm. and. It's, it's sort of, I, I really love that story because I, I, I could have shared you almost word for word a very similar story about dishes except mine involved loading the dishwasher, which mm-hmm. I would literally be huffing and puffing as I <laughs> leant down and thinking how awkward it was to get these dishes into this. <laughs> I've got a mini dishwasher in my mm-hmm. place and just like you, you know, one day... <laughs> And this comedy comes in for me quite often because we see our own ridiculousness. Yes. Like, you know, there are dishes. I loved what you said. Now there's just dishes to be cleared. And before, you know, it's just like trying to do a job with a kind of, with a heavy backpack and heavy boots covered in that estuary mud, isn't it? When When we decide to sort of hold our stories as so true. But I, I, we were talking about this before we hit record. I, I'm sensing, you know, that the listeners might be sort of like, well, yeah, that's all very well, but how? <laughs> how do you get, how can you be curious when you don't feel curious? How mm-hmm. can you mm-hmm. find curiosity in situations that look very serious and troubling? Yes. Um, and we've been in conversations, both of us separately and, and together, where people are troubled, we're hearing, people are troubled by... Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. what's going on in the world and I don't think this podcast is it's it's never about you know dismissing what's going on in the world but Mm -hmm. it is about inviting us to perhaps explore the resources that we might have available to us that perhaps we have overlooked
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and by this I don't mean skills or you know being more clever I mean that, you know, there is, um, for me, there is is something else at play and and I can't describe that for you, but more and more I begin to notice that, you know, when I don't hold so tightly to, to what I think and feel, you know, then I get a glimpse or I get a sense that there is something else sort of coming through me, if you like. And I don't always trust that, but when I do, it means that I'm more willing to not know, you know. I may be stuck in in a feeling. You know, I was working this morning and I was trying to get lots of things done before I'm in the UK, so I'm a different time zone from the US, you know, before our call, and um, and actually as I was sitting there, you know, I could feel my shoulders kind of going up a bit, you know, my body getting tense because I was wanting to finish, and I knew that was happening. Uh, it didn't, in itself, that knowledge didn't stop it happening, but a bit like you with the dishes, I don't need to have a story about that happening. So, it begins I guess it's a as we begin to realize that there's something that's unaffected by all of our ups and downs and all the ups and downs in the world then I find myself getting more and more curious about that Mm -hmm. and and when I say look towards it, it you might say well where it's perhaps a better way of saying that is to i looking away from my current preoccupations Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's almost like you know you're in a room with a spotlight on your desk and all you can see is is what's illuminated under that spotlight Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you look up and you realize there's a huge dark vista beyond the circle of that light that you just haven't been noticing at all because you're so focused on the beam of your own attention
0: yeah yeah, I think of it almost like blinders. You know, we have these blinders on um, when we're so focused in right there on our painful story, our painful narrative, and there's so much more available that, that we just don't see. And I think the how, part of the how, you know, when you talk about, about that is, is um, one of the things you just said is where are you placing your attention? And um, for another one for me is um, is slowing way down, getting still, so that the rippling, you know, the the waves can settle, so that you can have more clarity. I know, um, you know, you mentioned that that I work with um, with um, entrepreneurs who are struggling with hidden stress, and that hidden stress um, often is even hidden from themselves. But they definitely, if they are if and when they are aware of it, it's hidden. They want to hide it from. From other people because of the fear of being exposed. And the other day, I'll tell you this story. (laughs) I was uh, in my mastermind group and we were having, we call it study hall. And um, we just get on a Zoom call and have two hours where we're just getting stuff done. And then if we have any questions, we can ask each other, you know, but it's just an opportunity to get, get stuff done that we've been putting off. And, you know, when you're not um, raising your hand and talking and asking for some support, you you mute yourself. Well, the other day we were on this call and I thought I had muted myself. <laughs> and I had not. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got this um, this message that really upset me. And I mean, I let out a big, um, a big F bomb and. And then I heard my colleagues going, Are you okay? What's going on? And I I was so ashamed. And it's not that I don't cuss, it's not that I don't drop the F bomb, but I do it in a very calculated way, in a careful way. Um, I don't do it with just anybody. I'm respectful of where what that person might feel about cussing, you know, so I, I'm I'm very in control of it. And and in this moment I wasn't, and I went into shame. I had I think Brene Brown calls it a a shame hangover. I went into some shame. Now, these are colleagues I know and trust and love. But the problem for me was that I wasn't in control. I thought I was. And this podcast is about being real. And it's about not hiding. And so in that moment, you know, I just, they were all very sweet. And I just apologized and said I thought I was muted. But then I was disturbed, I was, I was riled up and disturbed, and that disturbed, that disturbance was the wake up call for me to get still curious and open. And it was in that curiosity that I was able to find a place in me that I could relax and accept my humanness. And I think that that's part of what we're talking about. the how is um, first of all, I don't know how for you to do it. so you kind of have to experiment with that yourself but but certainly getting still and um, and placing your attention elsewhere is um, one of the ways that seems to be useful for people, and recognizing that those disturbances are not the problem so much as the alarm clock waking you up to yourself. I don't know if that's making much sense. And, and it probably doesn't make sense until you've sort of experienced it.
1: And uh, now it does make sense. It does make sense. You know, I love that that. Um, there's lots in there, you know, about the control side of things. And when we think, you know, we like to be in control, we think we are in control. If we suddenly find we're not in control, the, react- the reactivity that you felt... And there's something that's just been coming up in the last week for me, which I'm, again, I'm curious about. This is not so much me having an answer as just um, one thing in, in, on the subject of depression, which, you know, is, is something that I, I've experienced. Uh, in recent years, I've seen different definitions, and one of the ones that came up very recently for me was lovely, was um, it's about knowledge withheld depression is knowledge withheld Mm. and what I'm sort of playing with and it's a little bit around the how but it but it just might be of interest to people is that you mentioned that how we can carry stress without even really knowing that we are or Mm. being only partially aware of it and so when it comes to the sort of bodily response I wonder if you know when we we experience something we don't like a feeling we don't like whether there isn't for some of us an instinctive sort of fight reaction against that feeling. Mm -hmm. And that could show up in in loads of different ways. So it could be, um, it could just simply be a tensing in the body. But it it could then mean that, you know, we're almost triggered into, okay, I have to get rid of this feeling. And then we'll just go to our go-to things. So for some people, it's throw yourself into work. For others, it's throw yourself into exercise you know drink alcohol smoke cigarettes take drugs go shopping you know a million different things um which all have the same idea that you know we can overpower this feeling or distract ourselves Mm -hmm. so there's no space for the feeling so it's sort of smother it or push it away yeah and what you talked about about coming into your awareness of, of getting quieter one of the um say things I'm curious about is um how if we notice that instinct which will probably start with a tensing somewhere in the system wherever is your particular place for getting tense I think mine is my shoulders and neck some people Mm -hmm. it's their gut you know um and what happens you know when you when you look for the feeling underneath that as it were what happens if instead of drawing up against the feeling you know we almost do the opposite where we sink down into it which is a little bit what I think I heard you saying that you were you were doing your instinct was almost you know get it away and hide but you you actually sort of sat with it Mm -hmm. and I have a feeling that in the tensing and fighting we not only miss the treasure you mentioned that might be on the other side we can also then create more disturbance mm-hmm. and that might show up physically like you might get a headache or a neck ache or you might get a, you know belly ache um or it might be more chronic than that you know a lot of people with anxiety and depression often have physical symptoms too and they look to me like they're connected
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean I'm, I'm kind of going off a little bit of a tangent but when uh When we can recognize and slightly find a pause in that instinctive fight-flight kind of reaction, yes, we then might find not just that, um, it's not really about there's a better way to get rid of the discomfort because I think when we're always searching for that, we're missing the point, Mm -hmm. the treasure is. In and through the feeling, not going round, trying to shortcut round to the other side. And for years, I think that's what I was constantly looking for a better shortcut. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. When when we get triggered, when we get activated, you know, we especially if 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 it if it touches into some maybe some old trauma, you know, our we kind of we kind of switch into our primitive that primitive part of our brain, that fight or flight or freeze. And, um, and it overrides our more rational part of our brain that says, you know, you're safe, you're okay. You know, the fact that you drop the F bomb and in this group of people you trust is really, you're, you're fine. It's not a problem. They're not going to reject you. They're not going to kick you out. You're not going to die. But the brain, that, that part of our brain really kind of believes that. And so, um, So what immediately it wants to do is calibrate. You know, it wants to calibrate our system. You know, know, it wants to calibrate our system and get us safe. That's its top priority. Um, But, but, and I think that's part of the problem. I think that's a big part of the problem right now with with what's going on politically, with all of the extreme divisiveness. And I recognize this in myself. I'm I'm telling y'all all all my secrets, which. I trust you, listeners. I trust you with all my secrets. But I think that um, I realize that when I'm trying to convince someone on the other side to come to my side, what I'm really trying to do is calibrate myself and feel safe. And that's what they're trying to do, too. And when they don't do it, I get mad at them because I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because of my discomfort, and I've recognized this. I think I told you this the other day. I recognize this with my partner, who is fire, and I recognize that I try to um, when she goes into that fire, and it's uncomfortable for me because my family did all of their anger underground. We were all angry, but we didn't show it, and we all did it internally. We all in, we were imploders. Whereas my partner's family and and she are exploders and it scares me. Mm -hmm. It frightens me. So the first thing I want to do is calibrate my system. And the way I do that is try to calibrate her. And that's not fair. It's not fair. I need to just be responsible for my own calibration. And I can do that by dropping into and recognizing, oh, What's going on here right now, Carla, is that you're, you're afraid. There's no problem here. You're afraid. You're trying to calibrate your system by calibrating those around you, which is not your job. It's none of your business. Your job is to calibrate yourself and, and to connect with that deeper part of myself, that essential part of myself that I know can't be harmed.
1: Yeah, you're picking up so many lovely threads. And I just love your honesty, Carla. I love how you, you know, what you share of, of your your stories are very powerful, I think, for me and, and I'm getting to for the listener. Because what I heard in that is that it connects with your dishes story. You know that there is when we talk about, you know, the mind getting quiet, I think what we're really saying is not that there's literally, for me, it's not literally that there's silence. It's just Mm -hmm. that my, that the stories and thoughts running in my head kind of get less interesting to me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And as that happens, I get curious, I guess, about what else is there. And in that quieter, if you want to call it quieter, but in that kind of space it all gets far less personal so in to your example of you know we learn these habits of reaction when we're young I guess and they probably work to up to a point at when we were young and then they just stick like you said they just become habitual instinctive we don't necessarily consciously choose them or aware even that we're doing them sometimes and knowing that it somehow seems to open up a little bit of a pause where you know in your example it's just a kind of as you say it's just a thought pattern you know someone being angry it's uncomfortable it's a problem need to shut it down you know so I can be safe and when we realize that there's actually an infinite number of versions of stories we could have but actually there's also a space in which we don't need to have a story in the moment or we can see our story rising and just let it kind of, oh, yeah, there we go. Yes, I've got that feeling because it's, it's a body feeling too, isn't it? You know, it's like a whole mind-body reaction. And I, and I think we've said this before, you know, it's not about becoming some perfect being that never reacts. You know, we wouldn't be human if we didn't react. But as we are aware that there is more to us than reactivity, as we begin to realise that, you know, and I know you know this, Carla, that you know your well-being is not dependent on somebody else not being angry. Mm-hmm. It's that knowing, and that comes from realisation, from experiencing your well-being, and you know that can sound kind of a bit mystical, but most people that you talk to, when you ask them to bring to mind. A time when they felt, I would describe it as a sense that all is well. The examples people give quite often are during times when the outside world looked not like that at all, or mm-hmm. there was a major crisis going on. That sometimes people will touch on this sort of feeling inside them that they don't know how, or when, or where, or whatever, but they just know it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a source of tremendous hope and power and strength. And then it's almost like, you know, the curtain got pulled back. You had that sense and then life rushes in again and off you go. But you go forward with a sense of, oh, okay, there's more than than just what I can see. There's more than just how I'm feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's really, you know, what we're pointing at. And to me at the moment, with all that's going on in the world, it looks more helpful than almost anything else I can do is to point myself and and point others to that place because it's a sort of renewal and refreshment for your your spirit Mm -hmm. and we need that in the world right now you know we need people who can engage deliberately and consciously with whatever is showing up in their own life and work Mm -hmm. and who can do that not just for a week or two or just until the election, but who can just do that consistently because it's so nourishing for them and for all the people they come in contact with. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm not seeing it as separate from being active in the world. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing it actually as fundamentally Um, like fuel yeah for being an active helping presence in the world
0: yeah and and you know in you know in keeping with this podcast of of realness which is what we're about is taking the masks off um, you know coming from that place of groundedness of um, touching into our own w- wisdom and resilience does not mean that we don't accidentally drop the F-bomb from time to time. And I think that 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 part of it for me, part of the journey for me right now, and um, gosh, probably for the last 10 years is about accepting my messy humanness and my groundedness and, and, connection with um that which is greater than I am whatever that is you know it's it's not an either or like if I'm connected with that that means I'm not going to be a messy human being no I'm going to be a messy human being I'm going to make mistakes Um, I'm going to drop the f-bomb accidentally Um, I'm going to be embarrassed I'm going to feel ashamed but not taking up residence there and not deciding, as I did for so many, so many years, that that is who I am. I am a mistake. I am, you know, a problem. I am broken. I am damaged. Not buying into that because, that, you know, I, I make mistakes. I, I do stupid things. Um, I'm a messy human being. And not taking up residence in those very painful stories, that they actually, they don't tell me anything about who I am at my essence, at my core, what, however you want to want to say that. Mm-hmm. And learning that when I, when I go to that place of shame, let's say, because that's been, that's probably been the most painful story I, I held was, was a, a story of shame. That, um, you know, I can touch there, but I don't have to live there. I don't have to take up residence there. That's been life changing for me. You know, for my clients who who go into the anxiety and into the stress, what they're learning is that um, they don't have to live there. They can they can visit there. It's not who they are. They're having an experience. They're caught up in a painful story. And like you said earlier, you can you can shift your attention. You can get still and slow down a little bit, and allow yourself to reconnect with um, with your with your essence, with who you really are, which is, I believe, divinity, star stuff.
1: I just, uh, I know we're nearly at time, but I just want to share a kind of lovely example I've just realized of of what we're talking about um, has happened for me in that, um, you know, as a woman, I'm 50 and I'm in transition, you know, I'm going through the menopause, I guess, I say I guess because, uh, you know, it's it's quite – um, it varies enormously, I think, for women over how long this goes on and what happens. And so I, you know, have been noticing over the last kind of two or three weeks a, um, a, a sort of – you know like a like a diminishing really of of some things like losing track of things and uh, being you know feeling quite emotionally sensitive and all these kinds of other things and typically for me in the past you know a bit like an uncomfortable emotion it would be sort of like okay you know need to shut this down for me personally wouldn't be with drugs and things but it would be be harder on myself you know you need to you need to concentrate more if you're not able to concentrate you know if you're feeling emotionally sensitive you know you need to go and shout at somebody (laughs) so those were my kind of go-to ways of dealing with it and then um you know two or three days ago I had the idea well what about calling a circle of women together who are, who are going through this, this transition, which, you know, just for information, it can apparently begin at 35 for some people. I had no idea. Um, and can go on for anything from like, you know, a couple of years to five or even 10 years. And, and for me, I realized what I was curious about is what is available at a deeper level in terms of spiritually in this transition. And I'm laughing because as a teenager if anyone had suggested anything to me like having a, you know, a celebration of my first menstruation, I would have just wanted to run away in in the self-conscious embarrassment and shame please just don't talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) And so to find myself, and I have actually just put the call out this morning, it's a program I'm going to gift for a small group of women to get together to explore what is going on, what is exactly what we're talking about. If we get curious about these different uh, experiences we're having in this thing that we collectively call menopause, what might we discover? You know, what might, you were saying, you know, what gift, what message might be in this? Mm -hmm. And so I love that that has shown up, you know, getting curious. As I began to get curious about, well, what is going on here? And I started to read a few things around the subject. This idea popped up for me. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, why don't I get other curious women together and we can form a circle and we can explore this together. And I think that perhaps illustrates more than anything what happens when you get curious. Things can transform from being a problem and a burden. Yes. And a sort of brick wall, you know, what can I do? To, wow, what's here? Yes.
0: Yes. And that reminds me of, um, one of my entrepreneurial clients who came to me because he grew so fast and was making so much money and it, it just freaked him out. And he was, he came to me because he was terror. He had gotten himself out of that place, but he was terrified to really go forward fully in his business again, because he didn't want to go back to that place. And I helped him, um, Kind of reframe that, I, I guess, as a way, you know, or to, to, in the words that we've used today, to shift his attention elsewhere, to see that he himself had found his way through that. He found him. He did that, and that changed everything for him. He, you, you should have seen what happened. I mean, his jaw dropped. He sat there. He said, "I just need to. I just need to sit here for a minute." And I said, "Okay," and he just sat there. and And it changed everything for him because he realized that it wasn't something to fear. He realized that that experience had taught him how to have better boundaries, how to be um, uh, more uh, self caring, um, how he got to be human and messy, and that he had done what he needed to do to find himself, his way through it. He went out and found support. He went out and did all of that and he totally found his way through. And now he's got the gas back on the pedal. I mean, he's got to foot back on the gas again and going forward because he's not afraid anymore of going there because he knows, first of all, he, he knows how to prevent a lot of that because he's put good boundaries in place. And second of all, he now knows that even if he goes back there He knows how to find his way through and it's changed everything for him. Just that little shift in perspective has changed everything for him. So once he brought some curiosity and openness to that experience, instead of the rigidity and dogma about it, Oh my God, this is a bad thing and I can't go there again. That was the rigidity. That was the dogma. When he brought the curiosity and openness, everything changed for him. And I think that that's, Uh, you know a good place for us to end today when you're caught up when you feel the dogma within you when you feel the rigidity within you that is just your alarm clock to wake you up to curiosity and openness for something new to arise
1: oh that's lovely yeah I think I agree great place to end and I'd just be lovely to hear from listeners if they um you know what you make of this and if you've seen this in your own life or if after hearing this podcast you know go experiment go play with this see what you find i would love to know
0: yes thank you so much juliet i'll see you next time
1: thank you carla bye-bye
0: bye-bye You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at carlaroyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliette loves freedom of Mind, which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations. Find her at soulcare.org. That's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E dot org. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness.